my friends with me, Travis Ybarra. If you don't know me or if you're new to the podcast, I've been a lifelong horror aficionado and I love sharing my passion with my family and friends and turning them into horror fans along the way. So most weeks, pretty much I bribe one of my friends into watching a horror movie that I selected specifically for them. Then my producer slash sister-in-law, Katie, and I bring them on to hear their thoughts and educate them where I can. Inevitably, I learn a lot too. I find myself appreciating this film in a whole nother way, which is dope. I'll also be dropping some unique bonus episodes, so keep a lookout for those. This week's guest is my hetero life mate, Cricket Martin. Cricket and I met working retail and realized immediately that we had a lot of things in common, from metal music to Stephen King. Cricket is also an amazing artist who created some art for our pod, so go check him out on all the social medias. Anyway, before we bring him into the chat, I'll intro our movie of the day, 1987's Angel Heart. Let's get to it. So, welcome to this week's edition of Horrifying My Friends. Uh, joining us today is my friend Cricket. Thank you for joining us, Cricket. So welcome. Honored to be here, sir. So, um, before we get into the film that I picked, uh, Angel Heart, I wanted to kind of talk about how we met and kind of bonded over Stephen King. Like, we kind of, we bonded over Metallica. I saw that your password was Metallica1, and I was like, holy shit, there's another metalhead here. And then we kind of, uh, I think it was when I went to your apartment for the first time, I noticed your bookshelf, which looks kind of similar to mine over there, with filled with Stephen King and stuff. So I noticed that you had a big background and kind of like the horror, you know, a big horror background. So you want to talk about that a little bit? How'd you discover Stephen King? You know, stuff like that. It's kind of funny, too, because uh, it was actually for my sister. She, uh she was a huge Stephen King fan and during the summer I would be really bored because we lived kind of the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. in Hobunk, Louisiana and mm-hmm. uh, I would go to work with her and she I would ask her like hey can you give me like something to do something to read so she gave me she's like uh, here's Cujo <laughs> it was actually Cycle of a Werewolf Ooh, because it was Bernie just Wrightson? yeah like just a little paperback uh, from that and I read it and it was one of the few books I think Stephen King really did that ever had like any kind of art in it. Um, Interesting. So I read that and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And then I think I read Cujo. Mm-hmm. Um, Cujo's got some creepy shit in it too. A lot of people like when he whacks off on that chick's pillow and like. Yeah, it. it I mean, it, a lot of weird shit in that. The dog is just actually kind of almost like a side character for a lot of the book. Yeah, and so, and then it just kind of went from there. And mm-hmm. I just started reading. That's interesting to me, that cycle of the werewolf. So were you drawing at that point? Like, were you making any kind of art before mm, you saw that? Or I, I don't think so, because I 
I want to say I was pretty young. I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have been reading Cycle of the Werewolf. Yeah, because you've read so. like all that King shit. That's why, like, you're the guy that I always go to, and this is why I had to talk about it and I had to bring it up. And you're gonna you're gonna come back on just spoiler alert because I want to talk about uh, like some of the King adaptations and stuff with you because you are the you are like my source. I haven't read all of King. Like I've read a few. Uh, you are my source to like. Hey, uh, you know what do you think about Doctor Sleep? Hey, what do you think about you know, uh, like you said, Recycle the Werewolf. What do you think about Tommy Knockers? Like, you're the guy, you and my brother are the only guys that's like have read all that shit. Like, in, um, yeah, but you're definitely going to come back on and talk about that kind of shit. But yeah, man, that's cool. Like, um, just wanted to get that out of the way, you know, talk about King a little bit. You will return to talk about that more in depth. But I just kind of wanted to intro today's film. Um, it is uh, Angel Heart, 1987, directed by Alan Parker, based on Falling Angel by William Georgeberg. Uh, Score by Trevor Jones, and it's uh, starring, of course, Mickey Rourke, looking hot as ever, and uh, Robert De Niro as a as the mysterious Louis Cipher, and a young Lisa Bonet, fresh off the uh, Cosby Show. I actually read some trivia that she got fired from the Cosby Show because of this. I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not, but... I do know that was a big deal because this film got like a rated X because of that scene. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that scene. Later. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the X-rated version that only went to VHS. Yeah. So so, so you said you had seen this before. You just didn't kind of remember it. And Katie, this is the first time she's seen it. So I kind of wanted to turn this over to you and give your kind of overall impressions of it before I kind of give mine. Fair. Like I know I I remember I was telling Katie I remember seeing it it was a long time ago because the only thing i really remembered from it was de niro with the hair and then like the, <laughs> that that man beard yeah. and the nails and i'm like i wonder if like you know the the rug matches the drapes with the nails like, is it like, <laughs> yeah. like pointy pedicure and manicure um, uh-huh. and so i mean the rest of it i probably started kind of watching and i was like ah, i yeah uh-huh. and didn't finish it because when I was a lot younger, I would have never watched because oh, yeah. I've just been like, this is boring. I don't understand what's going on. Let's it is pretty on... slow at, yeah. Yeah, at times. Let's turn on Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, so rewatching it, I mean, for me, I still I still think it was a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, I mean, I, 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 I do respect what they did with it. I do mm-hmm. respect looking at it from just a critical point. Okay, they they stuck with the that, that theme um, it was it was very noir. Like, yeah, um, I liked how the soundtrack kind of played into it a lot, especially mm-hmm. given the director had only really done musicals, so mm-hmm. he used that as a cue, and I, I respected that. There's some stuff I'm just like, but what? Like, mm-hmm. I, I still don't understand why Mickey Rourke was wearing a long coat in New Orleans. I'm like, doodle dot. <laughs> <You will, Yeah. laughs> this movie stops here because he will have a heat stroke and die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did respect that. I, I respect to the twists. I just still don't think it was... For me, it was just kind of a... Bleh. I mean, it had moments where it was picking up. And I'm like, okay. And then it would almost get quasi-cheesy in a way. It so. did get, especially at the end, I think I, like, I turned to Kate and was like, yeah, that, that was hokey. Like the De Niro <laughs> eyes, uh, um, it was like yellow. contact lens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely hokey. I was like, okay, like that, 
that's a big uh, departure, I think, like from the the realism for sure. And Cricket mentioned it, but I didn't know if you knew this, Kate. But he had made films prior to this, but after this, he made like Evita, the Madonna movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he has a big like background in that. He did kind of Bugsy. Stuff. Yeah, he has a big background in that kind of stuff. And then Kate, we will get your uh, just initial reactions to this movie. I will save my review and whether like like my final kind mm-hmm. of assessment. Mm-hmm. and whether or not I would recommend it for the end. But I would say when I was watching it last night when it finished and you asked me, like, oh, well, what do you think? I like I think my response was I'm kind of middling on this movie. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm probably in between you two about how I feel about it. Because to me, yes, there were a lot of things, like, issues I think I, I had with the movie. But the like the person in me that always wants to solve the mystery before the end mm-hmm. um was intrigued it didn't take me long i will say mm-hmm. see in my notes where i figured it out um but i was intrigued for that reason and i wanted to see if i was right so like that kept me in the movie but not much else to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure so we'll get into like the uh like the plot and stuff like that we'll get into some of your guys's notes so the basic synopsis a private investigator is hired by a man who calls himself Louis Cipher to track down a singer named Johnny Favorite, but the investigation takes an unexpected and somber turn. So, Cricket, we can kind of get into some of your notes. Uh, I know you got a lot of them over there. And uh, some just some cool stuff that you, uh, or, you know, some stuff that didn't work for you, like, you know, throughout the throughout the movie. Um, I, I think I like, I, again, I like the noir feel to it, very... Yeah. You know, they played with the, the weather a lot, with it either being very hot, like very cold with the, the steam in New York, um, since I would say probably almost the first half of the movie is based in New York, and then it switches to, mm-hmm. like, New Orleans. Um, and I, I think even underlying that, and something that, the one part that I did really enjoy was kind of the play on the psychology of how it all comes together, of especially with the twist um mm-hmm. which i'm assuming we can probably come back to that one um of, of just kind of establishing you know like who the character is and what got them there etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um i mean some of it though for me it's like they're the little easter eggs that are kind of <laughs> that drop along the way especially when you like rewatch it um seeing the little things of like when you they first meet cypher and he has like a satanic ring on uh-huh. which i've never actually I, I was trying to figure out what the point of the fan was <laughs> like there's a lot of just fan shadow i couldn't find that either um a lot of some people said that uh the fan was like um like spinning in stuff when someone died or when uh when uh what's his name harry the main character yeah, Harry Angel. When like Mickey Rourke's character was would like uh, walk up some stairs, like stairs played another was another motif. But yeah, I couldn't find like exactly find like the meaning of the fan. I didn't know what that was about. Like, because uh, I know even like the fan in the window multiple times it showed it. And then uh, when he first meets Robert De Niro's character, I think like Robert De Niro has like two or three fans like pointed at him from the ceiling and i was like fuck katie's gonna figure this out like quick man because he... <laughs> well i can tell you in my, in my notes well one i wrote down his name 
Because uh-huh. I was like, Louis Cipher. I wrote down his name, and it's scribbled out now, because I was like, oh, duh. Because uh-huh. once I wrote it down and looked at it, I was like, Louis Cipher, Louis Cipher, Louis Cipher, Louis Cipher, Louis Cipher, Louis Cipher <laughs> Satan. Because uh, before I did that, in my notes was, Robert De Niro, Vampire, or Satan. Uh-huh. Like, that was my initial reaction, because of the nails, and like he's in a church where I thought it was, pr- like, they made it a little obvious in the beginning. <laughs> Probably pur- purposely, he's in, he's in a church. Mm-hmm. Where the preacher is not acting very preacherly. Oh, yeah. He's, he's saying, asking for money and Yeah, shit. he's saying, I should yeah. be, if you love God, I should be in a Rolls Royce. Like, these are all things like a good, you would never hear from a good preacher, which also Did reminded me of then? this. <laughs> huh? Did they have Rolls Royce back then? Oh, yeah. It's a super uh, old yeah, brand. Yeah. Yeah. I think Rolls Royce, didn't Rolls Royce, like, uh, make military cars and shit or something? I like, I think they know. used maybe tanks. Yeah. They, yeah, they made something. Well, well you'll. You googly that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. That which, like, side note. I don't know if you've seen the Instagram account Preachers and Sneakers. Um, What's that sound there? Uh, it was just my computer. It, okay. I don't think it recorded. Um, but anyway, there's an Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers, or this mm-hmm. per- person I don't know who who runs it. Basically, um, finds these like famous preachers like video clips of them and he like zooms in on their shoes and reaches researches how much their shoes cost Ooh. um and they're wearing like thousand thousand dollar sneakers like it's <laughs> crazy out. but anyway it, this preacher reminded me of that but as soon as i saw the nails the slick back hair he was in the church with like a preacher who's preaching things like mm-hmm. if he had probably sold his soul to satan mm-hmm. would be saying <laughs> mm-hmm. and so i was like all right he's that's when that clued me in. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to talk later about um, when we get more into the plot and the twist and everything about like how music and some music history kind of we'll definitely get to that. This clearly, um, we'll I, get to it. I wanted to touch on because uh, I know Cricket brought up the fan, but there are others, some other like motifs and symbolism throughout the movie that I kind of like it's kind of is obvious like once like <laughs> like they're just like yelling at man at times like this dude's the devil because uh one thing that i picked up on i think um the name of the was it the lawyers that initially contacted mm-hmm. uh harry but they were uh wine sap and macintosh which are two names for apples, apples. which is mm-hmm. yeah which is like a you know a famous motif for the devil you know uh, contact Apple, yeah mean. tempting man yeah. and then the um one of the best scenes was uh, the egg scene, which that that's like the legendary scene in this movie is him eating the egg and, you know, rolling the egg. And he even says, um, you know, uh, that eggs are a lot of religious people think that egg is a metaphor for the soul. And then you picked up on it. Like you actually said this during the film, but I like wrote it down and wrote exclamation point. Uh, Katie says uh, he threw salt over his left shoulder to keep the devil away or <laughs> yeah. whatever. And then after that, De Niro's like, and like yeah. bites down on the egg real hard and shit. But yeah, just like that stuff is sprinkled throughout the movie. And, uh, but yeah, that was a good call cricket. on bringing up the fan and stuff like that. The only thing with the fan that I could kind of make it well, aside from like, um, with him you know De Niro's character having the fans on him was I'm assuming that maybe the the ritual was performed in a uh, like that room they keep just showing from the outside with the red mm-hmm. and that just for whatever reason the fan makes him think of that because there's like cues throughout the the movie where like he kind of has those um 
like reminiscent flashbacks of little things to mm-hmm. you know what the other the other side of it i guess and that was the only thing i could come up with but mm-hmm. i know the egg thing i picked up on too because i even looked into it i was like wait am i overthinking this a little bit and there's literally like a subreddit that has like technically if you know he would have taken the egg with the movie have just ended because he offered him a soul that's interesting yeah and yeah. i came across that too i think yeah. and i was like my god like it's like it would everything would have just gone the other way Mm -hmm. but you know that wouldn't have well that's that was like satan's thing he wanted to gross him out about the eggs Mm because he like we wanted to toy with him and be like eventually he knew harry slash johnny was gonna figure out Mm -hmm. and come like it was like he was going to have a moment of clarity and then he would think back and be like damn it yeah, absolutely. And for sure, like uh, another example of the, like kind of the hint, the little hints is Harry's, like uh, him saying, it, like the snakes line with the, um, with what's his name, Indiana Jones. It's like him having a thing against chickens kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that harkens back to the devil eating eggs. And like, you know, it's like, it's just little hints. Yeah, and chickens are like, obviously voodoo is a big part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think, Trav, you were telling me it's like kind of a trope, the like mm-hmm. voodoo and black, like connecting African American black people with voodoo mm-hmm. and. Yeah, we actually um, detailed that on the net on the last episode. I think people here here and uh, it'd been like what a week ago or two yeah. weeks ago once the straps. You will have heard it. Yeah. Um, but either way, um, chickens are big, but like you sacrifice chickens and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that's, I don't know. I think it's a little too obvious. And the fact that he would said have a thing about chickens like a hundred times like, <laughs> yeah. we got yeah. it we, we're good yeah. <laughs> like so, half of new orleans knows, like hey that's the guy that hates chickens <laughs> screw that guy yeah. chicken hater so kate you wanted to get into the music um the score by uh what was his name trevor jones and um it had a lot of other like i know uh one of the songs that i actually really love from this was uh honeymoon blues by bessie smith it used a ton of um like John Lee Hooker, Spencer Williams. Um, there was just a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, historic like jazz. Blues, yeah, blues artists yeah. mainly. There is some jazzy um, music when they have, like, when they're trying to clearly make, like, it's a P.I. noir. Mm. Some saxophone <laughs> yeah. in. But really, which, like, that juxtaposed against, with that is a, a specific mood. And then the blues, which is, like, the big part of this, where johnny what's his favorite mm-hmm. johnny favorite is a, a blues performer singer mm-hmm. basically um that's who they're searching for and this whole like just like we'll tell the end so that i can talk about the music part um oh absolutely is, we're diving this out. is what i care cared most about when mm-hmm. i saw it. i was like oh that's it's kind of nice they made a movie I, it's been done before mm-hmm. but they made a movie essentially based off the legend of Robert Johnson. If you mm-hmm. know Robert Johnson, he, back in the 1930s, I think is when he people, someone actually was able to record him. Um, but he was like this kind of nomadic, which most blues perform, like any kind of musicians um, back in the South. He was uh, one, known as one of the fathers of the like Mississippi Delta music, the mm-hmm. Delta blues. Um, but he wasn't like a prolific guitarist, and that, like, people kind of knew him as being kind of uh, okay. And then 
some t- like very little time passes and he shows back up on the scene and he's playing the guitar like a virtuoso right mm-hmm. and so this legend <laughs> formed around like how did he get so good so fast and the legend is that he's went down to the crossroads this is where this all comes from we went down mm-hmm. to the crossroads in mississippi somewhere specific and met the devil and sold his soul to be um like a, an, an amazing guitar player mm-hmm. um but yeah robert johnson music is widely known as some of the the best like kind of, of the original blues um, mm-hmm. but anyway i digress though that's the legend that this movie is based on johnny favorite is robert johnson for sure um and yeah i mean i just thought that that was interesting for anyone who didn't know about like everyone's kind of whole, heard i've got like if you've listened to Eric Clapton, even John Mayer is on a cover of Crossroads. Blood's like, up one. Um, <laughs> the, it's where the whole um, devil went down to Georgia. It's that oh, that's yeah. all comes from this legend about Robert Johnson, mm-hmm. um, and that's what this literally this whole movie is. is. Oh, yeah. And so once I clocked that, I was like, okay. I thought it was a little. I think they did not shroud this in like. They didn't make it mysterious enough. They made it a little too obvious. I feel like there was a lot of missed opportunity to make this. Uh, yeah. Like, really, like, oh, shit. And by the time you're in, it's at the end, you're, like, heads exploding. Oh, that's awesome how they did that. But I feel like they just missed a lot. There yeah. was definitely an opportunity with that, especially because they just played on the private eye, private eye. But I think if they would have touched on that a little bit more, even three quarters in the way, it would have given it, like, an extra layer of, mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, and but it's uh, definitely a missed opportunity because it is a cool like folklore because I remember hearing about that as a kid mm-hmm. about you know don't well in my kind of weird way growing up in a Southern Baptist thing is like oh yeah don't tell your soul to the devil or mm-hmm. what, what you say um, and but I remember hearing about that and I was like that's cool mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I don't know but I the other music things I liked about like. I appreciated the score. I thought the score was good. I thought that like we were listening to the soundtrack earlier. I thought the soundtrack's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought they they did a nice job of subtly putting the heartbeats in the back, um, mm-hmm. in the background of a lot of scenes. I was like, oh, that's a, like that's heartbeat. That's cool. I wonder how many people will pick that up. But mm-hmm. I like did not think that was too obvious. I thought they did a good job with that. So I wanted to uh, get some like basic trivia out there that I thought was really really interesting uh, researching this movie. I know I read an article. Um, it is uh, Cinephilia and Beyond. It's an article by... It's actually an article by Alan Parker. That's cool. The director of the film. It's the making of the film beat by beat. But in this, I actually thought... And I listened to an interview uh, of his on YouTube. And there were some like pretty cool stories from this about Robert De Niro. like um, About the, the lead character, Harry, was offered to uh, Jack Nicholson at first. And the director of the film, Alan Parker, went to Jack Nicholson's house and he's like telling this funny story about how Jack Nicholson had accidentally bought like a $10 million painting and he was on the phone like basically just ignoring Alan Parker. So he's like, yeah, I fucked off after that because I basically Jack Nicholson wasn't, he was like, whatever, like buzz off. I'm trying to figure out this painting. And, uh, but originally that was supposed to be Jack Nicholson playing the Harry role with um, uh, Marlon Brando playing the devil role. And I thought that was actually really interesting. And um, along came, what's his name? Uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, Mickey Rourke. 
So Mickey Rourke was like the third or fourth choice. I think uh, I think I I read rumored Pacino and a few other guys were Brando. Yeah, was yeah. rumored. Brando part. was the devil. Apparently, I guess he wasn't interested. But so Mickey Rourke comes along and Mickey Rourke's like, I'm the guy. You know, uh, he's like very very confident. He said he was dressed like Alan Parker said he was dressed like a hobo, like coming up as Mickey Rourke is dressed normally, but. I felt it was funny, like uh, that. De Niro wasn't interested at first, and then he decided to join. But there, uh, the director was like telling all these stories, making De Niro sound like it, such a diva. And I thought it was pretty funny because, like, he got he was worried about his cane, like finding the right cane, and then he was worried about his nails, like he had his nails done, and he was like, "I want him to grow as the movie progresses. I want him to grow an eighth of an inch." And Alan Parker is like, "I don't know if anybody will notice De Niro." But then, <laughs> but then, I, women will. I notice his nails yeah. longer at the end. <laughs> but then, like, there's this other story that I thought was hilarious. He said that Mickey Rourke was like, and and De Niro were always trying to one up each other because De Niro was like, you know, who the fuck's this kid? Like, trying to one up me and stuff like that. But uh, De Niro would be salty, like on set, and he'd be in his trailer, and uh, he was only on set like a couple days because it's a very minor role, really. But he was like, hey, uh, somebody, one of the, his assistants was like, hey, Alan, you know, De Niro's pissed. Like, he's over in the trailer. And Alan was like, all right, let me finish this real quick. And then, you know, then I'll go see what he wants. And he's like, no, he said now. Nah. Like, he's fucking pissed. So he goes in and De Niro is like, uh, you haven't been paying enough attention of, of me and stuff like that. And like, uh, don't direct me in front of people and like all this other stuff. Like, how dare you direct the Robert De Niro in front of people? Like, cause he was like out, he was like, De Niro, tone it down, like tone it down a little bit with I the devil shit. <laughs> yeah. At the end when you're pointing and you got the fucking yellow eyes, like tone that down a little bit, mate. <laughs> it's a tad. I think like long John Silver, I think is what he said was the uh, code word when he wanted De Niro to tone it down a little bit. He would just be like long John Silver and De Niro would be like, Right, very, that's a very long safe word. <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> come quiet, come quiet. Like the staff, the rest of this like staff or I guess team making movie oh, yeah. wouldn't figure out that they had a code word. Yeah. <laughs> like, like where, where, is it lunch? Like what? What? Long John Silver? Like, yeah. Hush puppies. But he said that like the the he said the most challenging thing about Mickey Rourke was that Mickey was one of those guys that would like do whatever's necessary but like to a fault and he would uh you kind of didn't know what he was gonna do like he was very like um oh you need me to cut myself i'll cut myself like on you know what i'm saying like he had like like an interview they did and i think this was like 88 or whatever they were doing an interview where the film got a rated x so i think it was just like an interview with a news channel or something but mickey Rourke had all these cuts all over his hands and shit i'm like did he actually cut himself like in those scenes i i you know I know he's crazy. You know, I know he's a little nuts, but you know yeah, what I'm saying? That's actually a good segue. I want you guys to talk about, like, the, I guess it's, I don't know, nothing, nothing was too gory. Gory, I don't think, but mm-hmm. there was, like, the scenes that kind of made it more horror, I guess, rather than just, a, like, a fun mystery. Yeah, and it definitely um, is a horror. Talk, no- talk about what you guys thought about those, because obviously he cuts his hand, like, mm-hmm. Toots or whatever his name was, the, mm-hmm. the guitarist, I think. He slices them with a razor in mm-hmm. the hand. So that must be where that came from, right? There's uh, a lot of straight razors. I noticed that, especially after that that scene. Like, it, they just kind of kept showing up. I'm like, I, I understand that's what you had to shave with, but I was like, nah, there's a lot of clean-shaven people around mm-hmm. uh, And, yeah, the, the gore in the movie was actually like... Uh, and I obviously, like, 
I really like this movie, and because um, I I really like uh, and, you know arguably a few other films have done this a lot better, but it is a horror noir, and that's one of my favorite like subgenres of horror and noir. But you got like Lost Highway. I know you were a big fan back in the day. That was badass. But you got like Lost Highway stuff like this. Um, I wrote a few down here, but like Seven, like um, Dark City in this, and like Lost Highway, Blue Velvet. They're all these type of uh, subgenre of horror noir, where there's something uh, extra going on with this noir. And I think that that is my favorite part of this movie. Is, is like you had the scene, you had the over, like the arguably overdone sex scene that you brought up earlier with uh, Lisa Bonet and Mickey Rourke, where blood's running from the ceiling and shit like that, and then it flashes to like a mob of people having sex and stuff like that. I thought that all that was cool. So to answer your question, like about some of that gore, mm-hmm. like the, I also thought it was interesting that, uh, and this kind of goes into your clues and stuff throughout the movie, but Harry actually physically touches everything that kills people throughout the movie. Like if you notice, um, the, like the, the doctor, he's like going through that Bible and stuff with the bullets and then he picks up the gun and with the gumbo, like the, at the end, he like, uh, he he like stirs it. it. He stirs it or like touches it Uh on the way in to talk to the guy. And then the, uh, what was that one chick's name? Madam something, the The, fortune teller. He picks up the knife and he's like looking at it and stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool too, as like a, kind of like a hint throughout the movie as well. To touch on the, uh, the blood running down the ceiling while you're having sex and that, I I don't know if that doesn't happen to you guys, but (laughs) (laughs) just saying we go hard. Um, but no, so, um, Kind of, I guess, writing about on that. So I know apparently De Niro actually originally had auditioned for the uh, the Angel, Angel yeah. yeah, and he didn't get it. So then he did the Lucifer, mm-hmm. um, and so apparently also Parker was kind of afraid of him because he was very offset. Like you kind of yeah. played it like he. When he was in the role, he was super into the role, mm-hmm. and then he was off. So apparently, just people left him alone mm-hmm. for the few days he was actually there. But mm-hmm. um, as far as the gore goes, I mean, I've seen things, so it yeah. takes a lot. But I mean, given the fact it's like I think what eighty seven, mm-hmm. um, there was nothing really for me kind of over the top. Um, I, the the things that stood out to me, I guess, the most were uh the when the doctor uh, when he finds the doctor laying in bed mm. like having the brains against the pillow i was like mocha that shit was pretty gritty yeah yeah i was like yeah, i'll give you that he took it through the eye yeah um then maybe maybe when he finds the madam in the heart yeah. um but again the, the i think the one thing i was thinking through the, that whole scene was like you know he's trying to one, he sucks at covering himself up because he's like sitting there trying to wipe away his prints. And I'm like, dude, you're in the kitchen holding morphine and you didn't touch that. So you're hosed. Mm-hmm. Um, but in which props to the doc having morphine in his fridge, just, mm. just like doesn't have like a thousand ha- bottles of morphine. <laughs> he's and, like, I'm a doctor. I can have medicine and milk. <laughs> That's the only thing he has that and looks like an old can of spam, yeah. um, which may have been how he died. Um, yeah. <laughs> But the the scene with the heart and then in which I, I think it was kind of a, a meant to have that effect. But like when he walks and watches the um, the voodoo ritual 
with um, uh, Epiphany. Yeah, yeah. The, her other character's name, Epiphany. And so I was, it, I thought that was probably cinematically one of the best scenes mm-hmm. with the music playing with that. And I mean, I thought for at least this being kind of her coming out, I thought she was a great actress. Mm-hmm. I think I thought she did it very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, but, I mean, that was probably it for gore. I mean, there was also, the, I guess, the one scene that was kind of like the, the it was the dream sequence uh, before the the two New Orleans police officers, and he had, like, his hand was cut, and he was drenched in blood. And it was mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of a symbolism, too, because he, you could hear that heartbeat, and mm-hmm. he kept kind of, like, touching his chest. Um, not that that was really gory, but there, I probably the most blood mm-hmm. in the movie for sure. Yeah, I feel like they were trying to foreshadow there, like with the, the blood on his chest, and because obviously you find out at the end that he, Harry Angel, mm-hmm. was sacrificed by the fortune teller woman and Johnny Favorite. Mm-hmm. You never actually see what he looked like. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, Johnny Favorite and his voodoo white voodoo lady, mm-hmm. they um, they grab him off the streets of New York and in their apartment or whatever, they gruesome, they, it's, it's supposed to be this very gruesome scene where they cut out his heart, they do this ritual um, so that, and then Johnny Favorite eats the heart and becomes, mm-hmm. or like kind of lives this life as Harry Angel I don't know. Um, essentially, like stealing how, his that's soul. That's how the soul was sold. Like that's how they got the soul. All that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just felt like that was a. I, I think this movie could have been better, mm-hmm. and I would have really dug it if Harry Angel figures out he doesn't know who he is. Because obviously, the big ending is I know who I am. I know who I am, and he doesn't know who he is. But. Mm-hmm. Um, when he figures out that he's Johnny Favorite in this other body, right? And they have these little flashes back in his dreams, like along the way, where like he's supposed to, I presume, be remembering the horrifying, horrifying, traumatic sacrifice that mm-hmm. his that he went through, his body or Harry's body went through. Um, but they never show it, and I was like, why didn't they have him figuring out? who he is and like what's actually going on sooner so then they could do a scene where they flash back and show you the them, actual, do, them yeah. doing the ritual that would have been a really good gory fun scene i feel like interesting that, yeah no i cause agree because they, they really just show that window like cricket yeah. was saying earlier they show that window with the red in the window and mm-hmm. the screams and that's all you hear and you have to kind of imagine how scary that was mm-hmm. instead of seeing it to Katie's point, I, w- I think I would have rather have seen, you know, just a shot of Rourke taking a bite out of a heart or yeah. whoever that character <laughs> was. If, if, if that if that was going to be the one scene where you saw Johnny Favorite's face, just him biting into a heart and there being blood everywhere and sacrifice, you know, just the unusually long sex scene. You know, I would have rather, I think I rather, would have rather had that. sex scene's necessary. <laughs> it's 87 and it's New Orleans. Everyone wanted to see Lisa Bonnie. <laughs> um, Cosby. Um, but, yeah, to that point, 
yeah, I think that was definitely a missed thing where it, it, it would have had a little bit more uh, effect because, you know, I under, I think his whole plan was a sub-a-soul. So, mm-hmm. you know, devil get a soul and then I'll be fine. Um, in which I will give Rourke that because at the end when he realized who he was, I think he changed his acting to reflect Johnny Favorite because he seemed to be a little bit more not as i guess pi in his mm-hmm. like uh mannerisms and the way he was talking and it seemed to be a little bit more calm and collected so it, and maybe i was just overreading it but i i if i if i was right i really kind of liked that little like it clicked mm-hmm. for him um because then all of a sudden he remembered who he was and moving forward because like he made a point of saying like look i'm you can do all the theatrics you want i'm not scared mm-hmm. um but, and I, I think another one of those little things is like, and I think it's supposed to be that uh, Epiphany was his daughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, uh, you gotta, you, you, I mean, it's the devil and it's the South, so why not roll out just a small ball of incest? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And I'm like, Bleh. but I mean, I mean, that's been done systematically through other movies. I know they did it with Old Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's another one that is like, oh, by the way, your lover's your daughter. Not weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, those were the things that kind of really, really stuck out for me. Um, and to, I think you mentioned it earlier about like the other movies with the like symbolism and stuff. I think the one that stuck out to me when like you had that little twist at the end too, especially I was like, it's kind of like Memento, mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like a little bit different, but all of a sudden like it all just clicks in place at that one moment. And you're like, Hmm. hmm. I, another thing I thought they did a good job with, um, was kind of the progression of him realizing that his time, like he's running out of time. Mm-hmm. It was a cool parallel because as he, when he was the character, Harry angel PI, obviously these murders are happening and he's like, Thing, he, he's like I'm not connected but the cops are after me like and he gets the, you get the sense like his time is running out mm-hmm. because they're going to catch him for murder but the parallel to that is his time is running out for the devil to catch up with him and get his soul mm-hmm. I thought that was like a nice I think they did a good job with that oh for sure uh, no I agree um, do you guys want to go around and give your final thoughts uh, sure alright well Cricket you're our guest of honor yeah Cricket uh, go ahead thank you I still think it's a bad movie. Um, I, I do respect some of the parts of it, looking at it. Like, if I was just sitting down to, like, hey, I'm bored and I want to watch a movie, I think I, I would be very, very disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from, you know, the blood sex scene. Um, but I think if you look at it and try to just break it down a little bit and start respecting some of the things that they did along the way and having that kind of critical eye they did hit a lot of things right uh again there's a lot of opportunity and again i mean this was at this point what 20 33 years ago mm-hmm. like my god make your rocks old yeah um is he alive is oh he... yeah oh, oh yeah. i'm sorry um, he's supposed to be in his mid 30s when he filmed this right so that's yeah the... oh, yeah he was pretty young he was pretty young you can't I... tell how old he is anymore anyway so um <laughs> He's like Clayface. 
but I think I guess given with what they had, I I do like some of the symbolism. Uh, to Katie's point, I I did really really enjoy what they did with the soundtrack of how they just the soundtrack they used as well as using it to kind of like let you know of like hey this is important um or pay attention um so i mean i as far as that goes i think they did a lot of little things right along the way um i think you for anybody you'd have to be in a particular state of mind to watch it like not just a just oh, i'm just gonna sit here and watch this to watch this because i would have turned it off for sure yeah like, you're not gonna throw this on on like a party or something yeah. like a party yeah. or something <laughs> what what the guy's name is <laughs> um so for that i think it you know i would give it a good seven and a half tracks uh but <laughs> in general i i i think it missed the mark as a whole so mm-hmm. Right. Katie? My husband, Brian, asked me, um, what do you think about this movie? Like, would you recommend it? And I was like, mm, I'm glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't watch I wouldn't watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would... There's certain people I, I can think of who I would recommend it to. Who, like, their minds would be blown because they're, they don't really... They kind of are the type of people who you want as a like someone to watch your film who aren't think overthinking everything and they're just mm-hmm. like kind of enjoying the ride um though like that's the kind of person i would recommend this to mm-hmm. someone who would kind of just take it for what it was and not have figured it out by the end so then the twist actually does surprise them like that's who this movie's for if, mm-hmm. if you're like if you're into mystery or you're in, and you and you kind of you're good at solving that kind of stuff it's it kind of loses some of the excitement for like, sure the climax of the movie is not as cool as it could be mm-hmm. but that's my take so my take uh i'm much more positive i i do dig uh horror noir is one of my favorite kind of genres uh, i think mickey rourke's awesome in this um i do love the score like cricket said i i think the score is like awesome and one of the this is like a, a little bit of last minute trivia here but he also did the Dark City score, which I was oh. like, "Oh, that makes that kind of makes sense." Um, but yeah, I would, uh, I dig this movie, and I think some of the stuff does come across as hokey. Like watching it again, it does. Uh, it is a little too, uh, for being a subtle horror film, I think it is a little too on the nose at times. Like, uh, and there are too many, maybe too many hints, like the Louis Cipher thing. I think. If you change that and maybe drop the nails, it's like, okay, still, you're even like, okay, this guy's kind of fishy. But I think some of the stuff works. Some of the stuff hasn't aged the best. I would, um, I, I do agree with you, Katie. I, I would recommend this to somebody that, like, uh, is just kind of along for the ride. But it is kind of obvious at the beginning, like, you know, what they're kind of going for. Like I said, some stuff well, some stuff doesn't age as well. But overall, I do like I do like this movie quite a bit. How many stars would you give it? For? I would give this an eight. eight I do. Yeah, I do. I do like this movie quite a bit. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it on a uh, Angel Heart. And um, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, remember, you can email us at horrifyingmyfriends at gmail.com. 
send us suggestions, take us a task, whatever. Uh, please subscribe here on SoundCloud or anywhere you get your podcast. Finally, uh, join the conversation on social media. We're at Horrifying My Friends on Insta and Facebook and Horrifying MF on Twitter. Until next week.